Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark Show, Sirius XM, ESPNU. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. Let the nuts hang. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. The old man, I'm screaming at kids to get off his lawn. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Cheers, boys. Let's ride. Let's go. Field of 12 after dark college football show. My name is George Whitfield, surrounded by the best quarterback talent analysts you're going to find anywhere from we are Penn State, Christian Hackenberg, the pride of Baylor, Bryce Petty, and the son of College Station and Norman, Oklahoma, Mr. Trevor Knight. Fellas, we are now, what is this, officially week three or week four since we had a week zero. Either way, Everybody was looking forward to the biggest game uh, of the day, which is Texas and Bama. We will come back to that. Uh, we have some toasts, so grab something to sip on if you're out there. We'll come back to that. And before we get into the games, fellas, we all right? We're good? Oh, yeah. We're hanging on. We're hanging on <laughs> after today. George, are you good? You sound kind of quiet. I feel like you're, you know, I don't know. If, are there people sleeping where, where you're at right now? Or no, I mean, you no. can get lively if you want. I'm the okay. only one. I'm the only one in the castle. <laughs> I'm the only one in the castle. I'm sure there's a couple daddy long legs around here, but that's it. Hey, uh, your thoughts here. Let's, let's start right off the bat. We're out in the West Coast. SC, we finally get a chance to see SC against some big boys. They go up against their longtime rival, 100-year rival in Stanford. Game's going on right now. What are your initial thoughts when you guys are looking at Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams now against a conference foe. We get a chance to see them going up, not quite an opposite equal, but certainly a team they can outgun. Uh, but that's in their conference. Trevor, is anything kind of jumping out here when you're watching Caleb? Is he meeting expectations? This is about what you expected. No, uh, it's it's what I expected. Um, something about Lincoln Riley and his offense that I think is incredible now over a couple of different conferences is the way that he is able to dial it up to get guys running scot free wide open. Yeah, um, it's incredible how he how he dials that up, and I'm not quite sure how he does it. Uh, but Caleb fits the mold. I think uh, he fits the the Pac-12 mold better than he did the Big 12 mold um, and really any other mold for that matter. Um, he's out there. He's flinging the ball around. They're putting up huge numbers on the offensive side of the ball. Watching this game, you see some holes in that USC defense, but it's Pac-12 football to a T, and that's why I think that USC and specifically Lincoln Riley at USC is poised to uh, make a run at, at a, at a Pac-12 championship and potentially even more than that this year. A Pac-12 championship. Trevor can see that out of this performance tonight. Bryce, do you see that out of this? Have we seen enough fireworks slash firepower to just go ahead and kind of project them on down the line there, given everybody stays healthy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I talked about that a little bit last week, too, because, I, you know, they, they got to play Utah at Utah, which is going to be a really tough game, but that's really it, you know. And, and this Pac-12 is, is uh, I think Trevor called it weak. I didn't want to call it weak. It was either Trevor Hack. Uh, but it, but it's, it's, you know, you got about two schools out there, um, that's to play for championship, especially after what we saw Georgia do to Oregon last week too. So, um, I definitely think that there's a runway, um, uh, the planes and bill, what's, what's really interesting and something that I kind of want to shed light on is that, you know, Lincoln Riley went out and got 40 guys. I mean, he went and hit the portal hard. And so, 
you know, us, us being in this podcast, we understand how hard it is to build a culture kind of out of thin air. Um, yeah. Lincoln left in a really weird way in Norman, but what he's done already in two games at SC, I think is, is already kind of taken, uh, especially, you know, a, a football fan like myself, um, you know, back a little bit because it is hard to get guys to play for each other, play with beside one another. Um, and I think they were even talking about it a little bit tonight on the broadcast, talking about, you know, Caleb Williams saying, man, well, we're not in the facility. We are trying to do as much together as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. That's just something that, that I think is really unique. It's hard to build culture out of thin air. And I think we, uh, Lincoln Riley's doing a great job of that. In a lot of ways, Hack, this turns into more like how college basketball is. You got, what, yeah. a quarter of the team declares for the NBA, a quarter of the team is in the portal. Uh, there's freshmen coming in next year. There's probably three guys that remain given that. And given what Bryce was saying about how fast they're trying to stitch the culture together. Do we have enough look after two games to give you confidence that they can be a threat in the playoffs? Cause that's really what we wanted to see as fans. That's why we wanted to see these 40 guys that Lincoln went out and got, do they have enough to make a threat for one of those spots? Well, I mean, I think the 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 conference they play in and their schedule, like we've hit on, kind of plays out for that, right? And I think if they win this outright and go undefeated, there's no way that you can exclude USC from it, and especially in the fashion that I think they're going to do it in. You know, the one thing that strikes me is Lincoln's always done it, even at Oklahoma, but he's had a propensity to run the football. But out there, um, you know, you got Addison, but there's some other guys in that receiver room that can really cause issues. And, you know, as a defensive coordinator, you really can't be right unless you can match up snap for snap outside with those guys and dedicate some hats to the box to try and slow down the run game. You watch tonight. I mean, there's times where Stanford's, I mean, in a clean, clean five box. And for those offensive linemen to be able to go out and execute um, and get a hat on a hat, it creates some running room. And they got the guy, Die from Oregon last year, who's a fantastic back. So they're mm-hmm. really not just a one-dimensional team. Uh, they're a Swiss Army knife. And I think as long as Lincoln tries not to – be too flashy, just take what they get and take what they can take advantage of based upon defense, uh, based upon the defensive alignments and how they, how they do things. Um, it's just hard to be right as a defensive coordinator. And when you have guys that are as talented as Caleb, Caleb Williams and, and Addison and so on and so forth down the line, um, dudes out there playing Madden. And I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's, it's shaping up, it's shaping up, um, it's shaping up really nicely for them. And it'd be cool to see USC back. You know, they talk about it on the broadcast too, you know, Will Farrell, all these guys getting back Snoop. Like it'd be cool to see USC getting back with that type of culture and what that brings to college football and that attitude and, and kind of flair. So, um, you know, I think they're definitely headed on the right track. Let me get a one-liner from you guys, a one-liner with this <laughs> premise. Two teams from Jurassic Park make it. There's half the dance. Big 10 champ makes it. That leaves one spot left. Let's just assume Clemson wins out, Oklahoma wins out, Oregon. I mean, uh, SC wins out. There's your three. ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, champs. You get one of those three, Clemson, Oklahoma, or USC. From this vantage point right here, Hack, who, who do you see being the best one of the three? When I'm looking at it, I look at it as matchups. I got USC. I just think their their roster matches up better. I think Clemson lacks some stuff outside that they've had usually in the past. And honestly, I think Oklahoma is still trying to find some identity. I'm not saying they can't do it, but they got a little bit of a tougher road with Oklahoma State and Baylor and 
those types of those types of programs in their in their conference. Trevor, uh, I think it's tough to say at this point in the season because of matchups. Who's going to end up playing well down the stretch through the gauntlet of the middle of the season? Who your big wins are going to be? But I'll, I'll kind of use what Hack said there at the end. If Oklahoma does have more teams that are are potential speed bumps in the road and they get through those and they're unblemished at the end of the year, I would put them in. And the only reason I say Oklahoma, because that was the point, but if it's, you know, Utah continues on a run and then, you know, uh, Notre Dame gets back on track and USC beats both of them. Now you may put USC in if, if an ACC group gets way up in the top 25 and Clemson knocks them off, it's really going to be kind of your resume. Um, and I think it's a little bit too early to tell at this point. Bryce, you feel that same way? Yeah, Are we too that, early? No, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think my, my knee-jerk reaction to that is always going to be strength of schedule. And I, and I just don't know who USC has, same as, same as Clemson. I don't know who outside of the, the resume that Clemson has built over their tenure um, and, and just being who Clemson is. But I, but I think just at this very moment between those three schools, the strength of schedule kind of, kind of heavies, uh, you know, Oklahoma to be the best looking team to come out of that gauntlet as Trevor said. Well, either way right now it is fun. Uh, SC two and O big home run hitters. A lot of teams watching these first two or three weeks. That's kind of been the separator for some of those teams in the top 10, top 15, only really Alabama and Ohio State have figured out a way to win tough games with no real home run threat. Um, it's good to see USC uh, making noise. Big uh, field of 12, after dark college football show, if you got something to sip on, grab it. If you're with your girl group, uh, it's this girl's <laughs> night. Welcome, uh, fellas, welcome. Uh, if, it, if we're catching us in a senior uh senior citizens home turn the volume up yeah. literally they were tweeting a lot last week tweeting. actually yes yeah. they were uh fellas uh oh so we have a tradition here at field of 12 we do a toast to our very favorite thing we're going to start with the guys first trevor your toast for the week is <sighs> i got a lot of exhale it was a long day for me aggies go down we'll get into that uh it was just an emotional day in college football so I'm going to give a toast to a team that deserves it. They didn't go out there and play as well as I think they could have, but the Georgia Bulldogs, they pissed your shutout. They did what they were supposed to do with a lot of other teams not showing up, including Alabama, um, to where they should be and, and could be playing at the level that they should be at. Uh, I'm giving a toast to Georgia tonight. Thank you guys for just being you and coming out and get a nice win. Hey. There you go. For the record, for whoever our stenographer is, Trevor Knight toasted Georgia for beating Samford <laughs> in week three. But I just hey, need like some you stability, said, baby. I just need some stability. It's been that type of season. They Bryce, didn't cover, though. Bryce Petty. They did not hack. What was they the, did not what was the line? Was like, you, know, you know those kids? You know those kids? It was in, huge. Uh, in 
you say like, oh, damn, I forgot my homework. Hey, let me hit yours real quick. Oh. That's what Trevor just Oh, pulled. this was well thought out. This Trevor was well thought out. It, it was the only <laughs> happy place I could go in my heart. Nah, that was straight up. It was home. thought Trevor out, but that. I don't know yeah. if it was well thought out, but you did put some thought oh, into gosh. it. Bryce Petty, uh, sir. Hey, Bryce Petty. Man, I, I, uh, I got to go out west. Um, this, is, this is a guy that's very near and dear to my heart, but he got his first win as a head coach in college football against a top 25 team took on Houston today in Lubbock, uh, Joey McGuire. Um, hey, and, and as anybody Tech. knows, I, that guy got me recruited. So man, congratulations to Joey McGuire and Texas Tech Red Raiders. Indeed. Mm. Christian Hackenberg, you go, your toast goes to. Yeah. I'm going to eat some crow here. Um, you know, I, I I was I was pretty tough on a on the ACC and and Wake Forest in general when I did the mm. preview, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Hartman wasn't quite sure how long he was going to be out, and uh, pretty pretty solid debut today, eighteen for twenty seven, three hundred yards and four touchdowns. Kid hasn't seemed to miss Easy. a step. So, yep. Sam Hartman and all you Wake Forest fans, I apologize. He's back. Uh, you guys now bumped up a pod in my ACC rankings. Hey. You guys. Things are looking up. First time Wake, Wake Forest has been shot out. Ever. Things no, are looking I think up you did it Wake last Forest. year, but you didn't even well, know how to spell for it. I didn't spell it right, so it didn't really yeah. count. Okay. All right. Two, two R's in Deuce, boys. Yeah. My, yeah. Uh, I'm going to split my toast to, uh, to two underdogs. They don't look at themselves as underdogs. One's a giant killer, and one killed a classic giant Appalachian State went into Texas A&M tonight a top 10 team all kind of silverbacks nation's number one recruiting team and beat them and then Marshall took a trip up to South Bend picked up a million five brought home a win on top of that Marshall and Appalachian State I know those flights home had to be something (laughs) cheers boys very much so and as always here at the Field of 12 After Dark, our classic honorary toast to the godfather of college football, Coach Lee Corso, and everything Coach. he does for college game day. All right, fellas, let's get into it. For those of you at home, we found out later today that or this afternoon that it was the most watched sporting event in Fox history, uh, Texas and Alabama. The Roman army invaded Austin, but there was a rebellion. Trevor Knight, I assume you watched this from, from kickoff to finish. What jumped out at you initially? I'll tell you what, I was very impressed. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. I was very impressed with the way Quinn Ewers came out and he didn't look scared. Um, he didn't look like a, a deer in headlights. He came out and made some really good fr- throws, was competitive, until, of course, getting the, getting the shoulder injury there. Um, but who I was the most impressed with was Hudson Card. I, I, I felt bad for the guy coming in in those circumstances because, yeah, they're going to go up real quick because they're on the three-yard line um, when Ewers goes out, but still got a huge mountain to climb in front of him. And he just kept coming, got a bum ankle, kept coming to a point where it put him in a position to win the football game. And so that was a hell of a performance by a backup QB to come in there uh, in, in that type of emotional atmosphere and do what he did. Number five is one of the best, if not the best football player in college football in B. Jan Robinson. 
the guy's just the, the way he's able to, to to make one cut and make people miss is just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. But the story of the day for me was the Texas defense. Those guys were flying around with their hair on fire. They didn't care who was coming in there. They locked the gate behind them, and they were going to make it a four-quarter beatdown, and I think they did. And Bama was kind of hitting the mouth for, for most of the game until the very end. I would agree a lot with that. Hack, were you more impressed with Texas, like with, with what Trevor was saying, or was there some disappointment about Alabama? It's hard to say what their mindset was, but it was easy to see how it played out. Which one took you, or was it a split of both? Well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I talked about this a little bit on Thursday. Texas doesn't – it's not like Texas doesn't have good football players in their program. Um, and, and Alabama traditionally has has struggled with some teams throughout the years of late, happens early, middle of the season, and then they end up catching their stride. But um, I, think, I think if you're going to ask me to have to pick it, I'm a little bit disappointed in – Alabama's discipline and I know mm -hmm. Saban made a big point of that you know there was a ton of penalties there and I think that definitely helped Texas but I would say a lot of credit needs to go to the Texas Longhorns especially doing it the way they did because I, I I'm going to be completely honest I think if Quinn Ewers finishes that game with all the reps going going into the going into the game plan um I think it's a completely different ball game um different how you know I, I just think it is, man. They had a chance to double Different, up like at Different, like Texas halftime. wins it? I think it might have been, man. I think they they had a ton of momentum. They could have doubled up at halftime. Um, they weren't able to capitalize on that. They missed a chip shot field goal. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Hudson Card. Like I said, I completely agree with your with your analysis, Trevor, on him. Um, and they but, had a drop touchdown in the end zone, too. Correct. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I really think that um, – very impressed with Texas. And again, it's, it's, it's similar to like our conversation about Florida. It, you got to continue to do it. Florida mm. ultimately ran into a, a brick wall and we'll get into that as well in Kentucky. But um, you know, if Texas can continue to show the tenacity they did on defense, get their quarterback room healthy. Um, I think Sark's doing a good job of at least trying to change that culture. And again, it's one of those programs as a college football fan, like you want to see Texas back mm -hmm. in competitive just because of the brand, just because of the history. Um, it's, it just, it just feels right. So uh, very impressed with that. I guess if I was going to say for Alabama, it would just be the lack of discipline. Nick Saban's teams usually don't, don't beat themselves too often. And, and they gave up a ton of, ton of free yards. Bryce, I'm going to throw three things at you. One, should Alabama still be one? What did we learn out of Bryce Young tonight? And can Texas roll from here or do they have a hangover of like a month from this massive moral victory? Yeah. Um, look, yeah. Yeah. I still think Alabama's number one. I, I don't think you, I don't think you can knock somebody for winning, right. You're going to go into tough matchups. Um, you're going to have, and, and this is what we talked about before. I mean, Alabama, what they do year in and year out is so impressive on, on a multitude of different facets, but especially because you are a target from the moment mm -hmm. the season ends to the moment the next season starts, everybody wants to beat Bama. Uh, you can't knock a, a team for winning. So, so those guys have to show up each, you know, week in and week out and, and perform because you're going to get the other team's best. Um, you know, so number one, number two, you know, what we learned about Bryce Young, I mean, the, the kid, um, he's just a gamer, you know, and, and I think that what we had, what we saw tonight, which was, which was really interesting because I actually look back, man, 
Alabama has had Julio Jones, Coop, Calvin Ridley, Waddle, Riggs, uh, Judy, Devontae um, Smith, Smith Jamison, <laughs> Jamison Williams. Like, dude, they have had dudes that can absolutely blow the top off. And that's the last two years. And that, that four in the last two years have gone in the first round. Uh, or, or yeah, I guess three years, and then and then Jameson Williams too last year. So, um, it, it, you know, they, they have had guys on the outside that just can stretch the field. And when you have that, we all know on this podcast, man, it just makes life easier for you. I I didn't see that at all today. Um, I, I don't know who that guy is that can stretch the field for him. So there's what I saw at him today was, man, I've, I've kind of put the team on my back. And when you have a, a corner blitz out of the boundary on a got to have a drive with a minute, 30 seconds left, um, for him to do what he did, you, it's, it's, you can try, I mean, George, I know we've done some stuff, um, you know, in the offseason to try to teach that move, mm-hmm. that move when you have bullets flying is so, is so hard to do. So, especially in that moment where you got to have it, he won that game for him today. Um, so my hat's off to him. I mean, and he's just so electrifying. It shows you why he won the Heisman last year. It shows you why he's a front runner this year to win the Heisman. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's incredible what he does. Number three, um, can Texas roll? Look, I, I think that we learned a lot about Texas today. Just because you find a bass player and a drum player and a guitar player and a singer don't mean you're a band. Um, but what mm-hmm. I think that Sark is starting to do now is formulate that band. I think they're starting to pick out names. You know, hey, this is what we're going to sing. This is how we're going <laughs> to sing it. Um, and, and, and I think guys are starting to – this is the kind of game that I think as a locker room that you can pull away from. Trevor and I talked about this before the show. Are there moral victories? No. Hell no, there's no moral victories. But I think this is a game that those guys can pull away from and say, hey, we can't stand toe-to-toe with the Roman Army, as George always says, and, and we can play. You know, we, we belong to be there. That front seven is what needs to run the table from here on out. It needs to run through them because what I saw that, that of that defense today, and in particular the front seven, um, if you have dogs up there, the, the, the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball was in Alabama's backfield, and it was about three yards in their in their front seven. So that's that's the kind of stuff that you love seeing in the Hacks Point. It's just always good when Texas is in the mix. Um, and so it was it was nice to see all those today. I was now you guys know I I always have called Alabama the Roman Army, and I'm watching the game. I'm like, all right, first quarter. Then when they broke the 80 yard run, I'm like, well, okay, now this is going mm-hmm. where I thought. Series after series after series, I thought, Roman Army, this is more like the Wichita State Police. I'm like, what are we doing? You can't invade like this. Penalties everywhere, like Hack was saying. Some of them desperation penalties. Three straight pass interference. That just Mm kind of speaks a little bit about your confidence. Settle back down. Get back in your technique. Play this man one-on-one. Have a, you know, play on a string like the back end they always talk about. So, but I come away with this game with two thoughts immediately on the Alabama side. One, we got to watch the games. We got to let these games play out. I'm telling anybody that would listen to me, it's goes 49 to seven. No, no, 49, 10. No, 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 no. 49, seven. You got to let it play out. Just like the Ohio state Notre Dame game, Ohio state got in there, found themselves in a real fight and did not have their fastball and were able to close it out, but they have a general and CJ Stroud. Bama found themselves needing every second on the clock and a field goal to win. When's the last time Bama needed a field goal to escape? But they have a general leading. 
really a commander in Saban and a general in Bryce Young. So those guys are obviously impressive. I didn't know Texas had that many dogs to go with what you guys were saying. Like they always got these like pretty five-star players, but dogs. Yeah. Who's like, who can keep bowing up third and two, get off the field, right? Third and one. And we need it on offense, push through and get your two yards. And lastly, and I actually want to do a toast to this man. I've known him. You guys have all played against him. I have so much respect for him. And then to find out, it was his job to come up with the defensive game plan against Alabama for three months. Gary Patterson threw a knuckleball at the Alabama offense, and they needed everything. Coach Patterson is on the senior, uh, a senior advisor for Coach Sark. Great job by Coach Sark picking him up. Probably his best pickup in the portal or the offseason of any free agent signing. So to Gary Patterson, first of all, because Texas – you got that type of brain power back there. They're going to be uh, pretty incredible. A lot going here for uh, for Bama and and and, um, and uh, Texas. Hack Trevor, do you guys agree with Bryce? Tex Texas should remain one. Alabama. Alabama. Uh, I believe sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Alabama. I believe. I believe. Yes. Um, that that being said. Could you make the argument for Georgia? Yes, but they played, you know, they Georgia they, jumped Ohio State last week. They didn't, yeah, it could, the it could happen. Didn't have a, it could happen, right? O only because Texas was uh, unranked, right? But it, we all know that it's, it's a much bigger matchup than that. College game day. Will Anderson said it was the loudest game he ever played in. And, and I'll say this just about kind of to answer Bryce's last question there that you gave him, George, about can this propel Texas to roll? It can if they let it, um, and it's calling out the fan base too. The Texas fan base is known for being just very wishy-washy. They get up real high when things are going good. They get real low and real quiet when things are going bad. If they can bring the energy like they did this week from what I am told to and what I heard through the TV, that's a, that is a true home field advantage and can help that team through, down the stretch. So we'll see. The verdict's still out. Hack, would you flip Georgia over Bama this yeah, week? Yeah, no, nah, I'm kind of on the same boat as Trevor, like, I, I, and Bryce. Like, that's that game, the spread, all the stuff that went into it. Like, I, I was very tentative saying anything about it in the first place, just because it was Texas. Um, it's hard to it's hard to punish a team for winning and winning the way they did. Um, it, but I also see the side of Georgia. You know, they've they've looked great. Um, and ultimately, I'm not a guy that makes that decision, so I'm not even going to pretend pretend to play, put that hat on. But um, I could see both. But again, I, I think it's hard to, I think it's tough to to move Bama yet. Well, we'll find out tomorrow when uh, the rankings come out. Alabama, number one team in the country, survives in many's opinions. Uh, like I said, I thought they won without their fastball and just gutted it out. They beat Texas in a Texas record 105,000 in attendance and the largest viewed program, sporting program on Fox. Let's go back now into the Jurassic Park, SEC. The Gators, they just knocked out the biker gang from Utah last week. Everybody coordinated Anthony Richardson. That bandwagon is getting huge. What do they do? Invite Kentucky in tonight. And it did not go well. Trevor. What jumped out at you at the Kentucky Wildcats? And for those of you listening, this show 
we do these hypotheticals all the time and we talked about the depth and the physicality of the sec if you picked up kentucky and you dropped him in the pac-12 almost to a man we all had him in the pac-12 championship or right there on the edge same as if you dropped him into the acc they'd be right there with uh clemson uh or anybody else here they go into the swamp trevor can you just describe the mission that that must take to go in there, no trickery, no five wide, roll them up and go toe-to-toe and beat a team that beat a biker gang? Yeah, the swamp, as we talked about with, with Utah going in there last week, is a very difficult place to play in general, but especially at night. Um, I had the chance to do an interview with Will Levis this offseason. I loved his demeanor. I loved what he talked about um, in terms of their preparation this offseason. But the theme of that conversation all led back to one person, and that was head coach Mark Stoops. What he has done there and the culture that he has built has allowed them to put themselves on the map as a football school. Obviously, Kentucky, known as a basketball school, but now they are going in and they are a true force to be reckoned with because of what Mark Stoops has done. Um, Will told me that when they were going out and hiring different members of their staff, that he would bring members of that position group in. Will was an example of that to be a part of the hiring process. I think that is empowering your players um, to get on board with the culture, get on board with everything that they're trying to do to get in the same lane and go for a common goal. And, And you saw that tonight. Did it go perfect for Kentucky? No, but they battled and battled and battled and proved that they can go up against anybody in this league, and they're going to do that and, and strap their cleats up and put their helmets on every week, so you better be ready to go. Bryce, well, what's also about to be ready to go is this label of a basketball school at Kentucky solely. Kentucky, physical brand of football. They got a first-round quarterback. They got a head coach who – Nebraska should already be sending ambassadors down there right now. They should already be on their way. Kentucky is real. They already they they have a chance now to crack the top 12, possibly the top 10. What jumped out at you and what do you see a lot from uh from Will Levis? How big of a threat can they be kind of going up against these Titans that they have coming soon? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And they, and they do. I mean, they got Ole Miss um, at Ole Miss. They got Tennessee at Tennessee. And then they 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 play, uh, you know, Georgia at home in November. So they're going to have a, a gaunt to go through. But the thing I love about it, look, that offense runs through Will. Um, it's, it's very evident. And he's very comfortable in the offense. And I didn't realize this until they were talking about the game cast, too. This is his third play call in three years. That's that's a lot. That's a that's a lot on a quarterback. Wow. Um, and when, when you have the ability to to take hold and control of your offense through that many changes, that many transitions, um, you know, it's it's tough. You see guys out west like we were just talking about with with you know Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, who's been in an offense. They were talking about you know they finish each other's sentences. That that continuity is 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 really important. And so for what Will has done over the last three years with three different play callers is really impressive. And then on top of that, to Trevor's point, you go into the swamp um, when you've got all this hype of, of you know, is, is Florida the team to beat in the East right now? And you take them toe to toe. And, you know, Anthony Richardson struggled, you know, pretty mightily tonight, which was hard to watch as a quarterback. And, you know, you've had those nights before. They're just they're not fun uh, when nothing's really working. But Will Levis really, really outplayed. Anthony Richardson to say, hey, I'm, I am this guy uh, and, and can stand toe to toe. And so. 
Um, I think for, for, you know, what you said, and without a doubt, they're not just a basketball school. This is, you know, Mark Stoops and Will Levis said this is a football school. Heck, you played in a, in a real brutal league and a brutal style of play at Penn State. No finesse, downhill running. It's going to be defense first. And then, you know, your, your big playmakers kind of take the, take the cues off of those two and you go do your thing. Levis is in that. And I go to you about that with Penn State because Levis came from Penn State. What have you seen from him in terms of growth? Yes, he was a youngster at Penn State and he's kind of just battling and trying to develop. Portal opens up, he jumps. Smart. They cut their teeth last year together as a group. But Bryce said third play caller in three years. Can he be a threat, one, to put these guys in the mix in the East? Can they even get in here and be a threat to Georgia? And two, can we start kind of talking about him as a Heisman possibility? Yeah, I'll answer that one. I mean, I, I, he's got the opportunity, right? We always talk about Heisman moments and things of that nature and the system, the way they've been doing it. And, I, you know, I, I think Will made a lot of – a lot of great plays tonight, but I, I don't want to discredit Kentucky's physicality up front and especially in the second half. I mean, they commanded the line of scrimmage and were able to pretty much run the football at will. And as we all know, when you have a great running game, it makes your job so, so much easier. Same way as like having a stud out there. Like if you can turn around and know you can hand the ball off for three and a half yards, puts the defense in a real bind. And I think they did a great job of taking advantage of that off of play action getting Will on the edge a little bit and then in the pocket and him being able to show off that arm and make some throws down the field that were, that were big plays in this game. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think when you're talking about Kentucky, they were really quiet. Uh, I think all, even all preseason, you know, they just top 25 ranked team, you know, no one really knew what to say. And I was listening to ESPN actually this morning, going to uh, going to pick up some groceries and they were, they were asking, I think it was Dan Orlovsky, who's the third best team in the SEC. And I think you can sit there and say, you know, there's a there's a pot of them, right? And before this game, it was Florida, Kentucky, uh, Arkansas, um, A and M. Mm-hmm. Before today, um, so I think that they really started to solidify themselves as a team that can get up in there and really make some noise. Um, and I like their brand. Uh, it, you know, I like you said, t- hinting at the Big Ten stuff. You know, I love physical football teams, old school with a little bit of new school flavor and. You got a guy at quarterback who can do a little bit of it all. So um, I think they're doing a great job of putting him in positions to be successful. And um, he's going to have his shot at some Heisman moments here, like you said, like you hinted at, you know, at Ole Miss, at Tennessee, um, and then Georgia. You know what I mean? And that's that's really where you make your bread, right? So we'll see what happens towards the end of the year. I think it's a little early to even start talking about the whole Heisman thing. But, sure. Um, you know, th- those moments will come, but uh, very impressed with Kentucky, very impressed with Mark Stoops' job, and uh, very intrigued to see how they handle handle the the meat of this season because that's really what separates the big dogs from the the the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex from the Velociraptors. To, <laughs> to, to take it to your take it, it to your uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park, indeed. Yeah. So the the thing I love most about this Kentucky story, it can happen anywhere you could build something that can sustain and that can just it's just like a group of people with hard work and a culture right and the sun hits it right can be a power it happened with art briles and baylor baylor was in the wilderness for 60 years came together put a put a stake in the ground made a decision and then they were a power wake forest i don't know if they're quite a power yet but they're winning games they're 
punching up Coach Clawson. They're out there. We saw what Hartman did last year. He came over. He battled back from some medical stuff. He came back now. They're back again. People have to like, like they have to clear their throat looking at Wake Forest on the schedule. And now you got to do the same with Kentucky. The Kentucky Wildcats, Orlowski might not be too far off. Hack, they're running. They're running traps, leads, power. There is no trickery with them, no finesse with them, no double pass. Like they're just punching straight combos. And uh, they're going to be like a tough out all the way through. Now, to me, they have an identity too, George. Like that, like they have an identity, and you it have to have an identity. Correct. That 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 carries wherever you go, and they they have that. And that's if you got that man, you're in any game. Let's go to another game. Actually, I want to split the next two. Let's talk about these two big upsets today. Um, Hack, we'll start with you. Which was the more impressive takedown? Appalachian State traveling into Kyle Field and taking down a top ten team with no trickery. Or yeah. Marshall going into South Bend and beating a team that started the season out top five. Yeah, I think that's hard. Um, I got to go with Marshall just because I got a tie with with Charles Huff, the head coach there. Uh, love him. Love the type of energy he brings. And for him to bring Marshall back, which has some history. I mean, that, that program has some history. Um, but to bring them back to the forefront, and I think he's got that that train moving in the right direction. And I think with the way Notre Dame played, and we we talked about it kind of with Texas, moral victories, right? And, and no one believes in them. And I think that this is a good testament for Texas moving forward, right? I think Notre Dame maybe could have gotten a little bit um, caught up in that. They go up to Ohio State, slug it out with them for four quarters. You know, Felt hey, good we about only, it. yeah, we only dropped two spots. Like, it's cool. We got Marshall coming in and, you know, here we go. And they get beat. Um, and I think that's the that's the tell of two teams, especially when you run into that situation. Do you take it as a moral victory? Or do you take it as, as something where you say, okay, we can play, but now we got to prove it. There's there's I, to me, there's a little bit of a different mindset. And it starts in your from your head coach and trickles down to your locker room, how you handle mm-hmm. things on a day to day basis. So I'm going to give my tip of the cap to Marshall, but also very impressed with App State. I mean, I mean. They've done it year in, year out. They almost had they had North Carolina last week. That team's, that team's a really good football team and also a big testament, I think, to the transfer portal with their starting quarterback and Chase Bryce, kid who started at Clemson, went to Duke, has now found a home at App State. Like, that's that's a success story of the transfer portal, and I think that that shouldn't be overlooked. Trevor Knight, your Aggies. I didn't want to start with you. I want to let you get a chance to just to kind of feel your way in on this. The Aggies, eight total first downs. Eight total first downs. Now they did point this out on the on the broadcast. Appalachian State man to man is much older. They have a lot of four, five, six year players. <laughs> but I don't know how that really weighs in. That's um, it is reaching. I'm just trying to throw a little something in there for them. But it's like the Yankees salary cap at like like you know over a billion, and then two point five the Padres over there. <laughs> savvy vets just hey. filled with a bunch of savvy vets. The uh, <laughs> Trevor eight first downs, man to man, seventeen fourteen, and they were toe to toe all afternoon. They're your Aggies. You clearly had you know some insider perspective on this as you were watching it. I'll say this about about both the games. I'll start there. Um, absolutely, 
Unexplicable. Can't can't happen. Absolutely cannot happen at Notre Dame or Texas A&M. That being said, I think the A&M loss was worse because of the hype surrounding Jimbo Fisher. And he has had a runway to get things to where he should have them. Right. I mean, it's no longer like a Notre Dame's first year head coach. Give him some time to, you know, kind of develop his identity, those types of things. And Trevor, the other thing is, is, I mean, they had a they had a cupcake walk last week, too. In, in A&M, you know what I mean? They don't even yeah. have the excuse they, to like a moral they're not beat up, they're, they're, so on and so forth, you know what I mean? No doubt. There's no excuse whatsoever. Jimbo Fisher and that staff, they've had years to get ready to for, – for this to be the quote-unquote year and for analysts preseason to say, hey, they got a shot not only to run the conference but to go to the national title and then to come out and have a loss like this. I mean, it just cannot happen. I'll tell you what was most disappointing the game out of the Aggies. Um, abysmal, abysmal on offense. But even more so than that, they got outplayed in every phase of football, but it went beyond that. They got outhearted. Uh, they got out hustled. Um, they 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 showed up and felt like they could just walk through this Appalachian State team, who's a great team. We saw them get battle tested last week. Now they come in here and and I just it, it was a horrible aroma by every single player on the team. There was no fight, and Appalachian State looked like the team that was supposed to be there, as opposed to the other way around. It was it can't happen, George. It just absolutely can't happen for either of these schools. But I thought the A and M loss was worse. Bryce Petty, which uh, just what was your perspective on those two kind of upset knockouts? I get the sting that uh, Trevor feels from his Aggies. Do you think that sting is applicable over to Notre Dame, you know, given first year head coach or is it equal? And, and uh, how bad was it for these two programs? Yeah. Look, I don't really think there's any way to sugarcoat either of them. I think it's, it's, you know, you, you schedule these games as, as what they are, the tune-up games. And so anytime that you falter in a tune-up game, it's, it's, it's not good for the program, regardless of your tenure, like, you know, Jimbo or first year coach like Marcus Freeman. I think the one that hurts is, is probably Marcus Freeman. Um, Jimbo's Jimbo, making 110 million bucks a year, uh, not not a year, but in the contract, you know. Um, He's going to be making that. It's, well, it, not after you know, <laughs> Right. So, but the idea of Marcus, man, it's, it's, it's hard because, and they even had a deal that, you know, that where, where else would be your best first win outside of, you know, without being at Notre Dame Stadium, you know, you, that kind of stuff is, is hard, you know, and I, and I think they're already looking forward to, to next year. But the, the, the hard one for me is that Marcus being a, uh, you know, Coach Freeman being a defensive guy, man, when you give up 220 plus yards on the ground to Marshall, that one's tough, you know, that, and, and he said all the right things in the presser. It's on me. It's on me. It's on me. But, you know, at some point, it, you know, that, uh, that that program has a whole lot of history to it. That was the other thing. They, they've won 42, I believe, unranked uh, uh, you know, games. games. Against unranked and so, teams, yeah. uh, you know, un unranked teams, yeah, exactly. So, so you know, when the, there's just a lot of history with that program. And so, um, you know, the way, again, that, that Coach Kelly left for LSU, he steps in, he's a player's guy. Man, it's great to be a player's guy if you're winning. You know, it's, it's like a plus, but you know, if you're a player's guy and you're losing, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, and so at some point you got to, you got to win over there in South Bend. And then for Jimbo, I mean, it's, you know, it, I think everybody kind of thought that, you know, six was way, way too high for, for A&M. 
Um, and, and Trevor, you know, spoke, spoke to it, but th this was their season. You know, there's a lot of hype that in college station, um, again, they, they had the Yankees, uh, you know, salary cap, it's paying, paying everybody out the butt and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough deal for both of them. Hey, let me ask you this, George, I think it's a good question for you. I know it's one loss, but like I said, it's a loss that can't happen for either school. But does this put either head coach on the the hot seat to any capacity? I mean, let's talk about AM specifically, right? Jimbo Fisher, they've given him everything in the world. They've opened up their checkbooks, but he's going to be around. The buyout would be way it's too astronomical. high. Astronomical, right? It makes it noisier for Jimbo Fisher. AM. And we have a crack research team at Trevor and Dagan. If I'm not mistaken, A&M has the hardest schedule in college football this year. Miami comes to town next week. Then they play four of the top five teams in Jurassic Park. Like, it was only supposed to – it's only going to go up from these giant killers. For a, a quick aside here, Mark Rick told me years ago when he was at Georgia, you do not want to schedule – winning programs if in, in your preseason in your offseason don't go find warlords from like boise or um app state like they're accustomed to winning they see themselves as winners north dakota like leave those guys alone go find the fat downtrodden power five programs that continually lose if you need somebody to go play go grab a power five program and put them in there don't go get the undefeated middleweight and throw them in there. That's it's just, it just doesn't go well. Beat them. You're supposed to, if you don't have your fastball that night, it's going to get bad. It's going to get ugly. Like it was tonight. It's just unreal. And crazy enough guys, these, this, this wasn't even the worst loss of the night. Nebraska mm. goes down to Georgia Southern. It is official 45, 42, Huskers lose to Georgia Southern, who's now 2-0. Cheers to Georgia Southern. Mm. And it was at Georgia Southern, right? I Oh, mm. no. No, it was at Lincoln. Just in was, Lincoln. Uh, just of course good. it was. Nebraska it ain't traveling to that game, Bob. Yeah, yeah surely buddy. not. They're going to – Coach Ross's tires are going to be slit. Nebraska. Mm. Loses 45-42. to 42. They give up 642 yards of offense tonight. 409 in the air. 233 on the ground. Average yards per play by Georgia Southern, 7.5. Georgia Southern on third down, 9 of 13. 9 of 13. That's some efficiency. So... It's, it, I mean, George, it's what we talked about, man. It's it's culture. It, you culture. Have to, you have to find guys that want to play for you, and it but, is so evident that they do not want to play for that man. But and I was Bryce, you're taking me to my next point. Culture starts where, though? Head coach. Yep. The fish always rots from the from yes. the top. The <laughs> Georgia Southern. Is there any bounce back? Hack. Is there anything? Like Northwestern is already bad enough going all the way across the pond. Those big expectations. You got your new shiny offensive coordinator. You got to give him some space so he can do his thing. You went to Texas. You plucked the quarterback. He's grooving. You are now one and two. You lost to a conference foe that's about the same weight class. Shouldn't be, but they are, and you got beat. 
Then you picked up a win last week, and then you lost to an FCS school tonight at home that was supposed to be an active bye week. Is there any way he can reconcile this? Short answer is no. No. I, I'm, we'll find out in about 20 minutes, maybe 25, once they get done with everything in the locker room and, you know, Scott's got to go shake the AD's hand. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I've been taken aback by Nebraska, even since last year, because when you look at their roster and, like you said, there's so many things, and the only thing you could point at is culture and – discipline um you know last year they special teams were sloppy as hell and they cost them a bunch of games and pretty much the same old song and dance here this year and then i think there's even a little bit more of just to, to the team last year's credit they didn't quit on scott they kept playing for him wasn't always pretty didn't look good but they they scrapped and clawed i don't even think you got a lot of that this year and nope. that's that's a that's a real that's a real killer. I think, I think honestly, the fact that the team did not quit on him and kept fighting and kept battling even through everything last year is why Scott kept his job last year. And now coach Frost is facing this this year. Um, I think it's just an insurmountable mountain. You know, Nebraska's got to me some unrealistic expectations of where they still sit in college football. Again, another program, ton of history, but um, are still, a little bit attached to that history from 20 plus years ago. Um, and you got to do something now that's going to draw kids to Lincoln, Nebraska, which isn't an easy pull. Um, and Scott coach Frost wasn't able to get that done and it sucks. I feel bad for him. I think he's a great guy. You know, it's nothing personal, but um, for Nebraska, they, the next one's got to be a home run. Uh, otherwise I think they, they're in peril of, of downward spiraling and never being able to climb out of it, especially with teams back. like Nebraska, especially teams with like Minnesota climbing out of it. And even to your point, you know, Northwestern's a four or five year team. Iowa's a four or five year team just because they have that culture established. So um, they're, they're in real trouble here. I think as a program. Bryce, Trevor, Texas, USC, Miami, Classic programs that have been winning in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, all under new leadership this year. Miami's got great vibe down there. Crystal Ball's got those guys. We'll find out next week when they go play A&M. USC, we had a chance to talk about them. They went out. They got the, the nation's biggest NFL pro personnel department over there, and it's working. And then you got Texas, who repelled the Roman army enough to walk around with their chin up tonight, they're battling, their stadium's packed. People are excited about this this team that got beat. I mean, who felt better after a loss in Texas? And a comparable program to those three historically is Nebraska, who is now one and two after getting beat by Georgia Southern. When will it be time to make this change? And what does Nebraska need to Hacks point? You're going to need an injection of something. What do you infuse them with? to get them out of this out of this rut that we all want to see and make it out of. Trevor, over there, it, it's going to take a lot. Um, obviously, I think that Scott Frost is on a really short leash. If it's not tonight, it's coming very soon. Um, so you need a head coach first and foremost, because culturally, like we mentioned, everything will roll downhill from, from that person. 
but it takes time to build culture and, and to, to, I think what everybody has agreed on here, your players have to buy into that culture for it to be effective at all. And so you're going to need a specific group of leadership, whether that's your quarterback or whether that's a, a, you know, a leadership council type group that is all going to look each other in the eye and say, Hey, I'm going to hold my position group accountable to buy into whatever head coach that comes next is doing. And let's just go to work all off season, all summer. And this may take a couple years of it to completely flip the script at a place like the Nebraska. They have the fan base. They've sold out every game at home for years and years and years. I think it might be the mo- the, the longest active streak in college mm-hmm. football. Yep. They've got a great place to play, right? Yep. They've got some of the best facilities in college football. Um, football so not, means the world to them, Trevor. It, it does. It does. It's a gr- it is a great place to go play. You, you've got those pieces of the puzzle there. So I think head coach and then getting a special group of guys to buy into that head coach's mission that will permeate through the rest of the team is what it's going to take to flip it around. And then as you guys know, you're going to have seniors pass that down, you know, how it's done type of mentality to the sophomores and the freshmen. And that's how you create a different culture, but it's going to take some serious work. Nebraska, Georgia Southern beats them 45-42. They give up 642 yards. 400-yard passing game, a 230-yard rushing game, seven and a half yards of play. Bryce Petty, going off of what Trevor was just saying, if we go in just a step there with um, Coach Frost, where is the disconnect? He is a Cornhusker. He was a quarterback, a talented quarterback. He bled there, played there, made his name there. How can you – how come he can't come home – and just make them competitive. They're not screaming for national championships. They're saying we want to be respected again. What's the disconnect? I, I've, I've got a few sources that tell me that, that it's, it goes beyond the, the, the uh, you know, the facilities. And, and, that's, and that's tough, right? I mean, I, I think and that's always hard when you, when you do have. Like that, like I know the kitchen staff is, they got it. Yeah, I mean, you know. Well, steaks all night. Chipotle there. Yeah, exactly. It's they, all steaks. There. So. Um, What's that mean? It's beyond the, facility. Well, there's there's just extracurriculars that they go beyond the facilities there. Um, that that put uh, the, you know when when you're a ball coach, you you have to have your priorities. I think we talked about that last week, right? With saving, revitalizing careers. There's guys that man, and, and and I'm no no fault to my own either. Uh, and and trying to throw the first stone. Nobody's perfect, and I'm not saying that that. It's, it's issues like that for him, but I think that he's mm. lost his priority in terms of being a ball coach and what you're doing it for. Mm. That's why I think there's a, a that, that disconnect to me is the priority of what, of what Scott Frost wakes up every morning at. That's the only thing that makes sense to me in terms of, you know, the things that you see in the media from him, the way he talks games. You know, we just saw Marcus Freeman lose to Marshall and everything was pointed back at me, 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 me. This is on me. This is not on my kids. We didn't prepare enough. We have to look ourselves in the mirror. Those things aren't just words to me when you see it, right? You, you believe that that's what he truly means when Scott Frost says the things that he says. And it's kind of constantly putting blame on other people. To me, you've lost the priority of why you're coaching yeah. um, and the responsibility of what that means. And so, and, and that exudes to the players because, you know, at the, at the end of the day, the, the numbers that you show, I mean, when, you, when you're giving up 600 yards to Georgia Southern, you don't care what's going on in that field. And that's a problem, right? If you're, if you're a player on the Nebraska 
team that's putting on those colors every Saturday and you're giving up 600 yards on defense, that means that the disconnect there is you don't care what happens. That goes beyond X's and O's. That goes back into the offseason program and to fall camp and, and the whole reason that you're there. Um, and, and so I think they've got a long road ahead, but I think it's going to be somebody that there's definitely a spot for somebody to come in that, that really cares about that program, that cares about the kids and the tradition that's going to bring and revitalize that program back. I think it's, but it's, it is, you know, it's a hack's point. Hack keeps talking about it too. It is a tough place to recruit because of the places that you mentioned before, George, SC, Austin, Miami, those three places ain't hard for a recruit to go to. Lincoln, Nebraska, it's a hard place to go to when you have offers from an SC that's going to the Big Ten or Ohio State or a Penn State. That's just hard to recruit it. So, so you're going to have to have a guy that, that just kind of bleeds Lincoln through and through. Um, and like I said, they're out there. It's just I, I don't think it's Scott Frost. Uh, again, shocking news ending uh, Field of 12 After Dark show. Thank you for joining us. By the way, you can find us on Sirius XM app, YouTube, Twitter, Field of 12 After Dark Show. Lightning round, and I mean lightning. We've been doing great on timing. We've been doing great lightning round. I want you to give me a, a hell yes, I don't know, or probably not with the following names. I'm just going to sweep across the board here. Let's help Nebraska out. Dan Mullen, Hackenberg. Eh. Bryce. Hell No. <laughs> Trevor. No. Okay, sounds like that one's a tough one. Mark Stoops. Sure. Bryce. I like that one. Trevor. Good, but he's not leaving. So let me ask you that. You I'm gonna... not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but the road is much clearer coming to the Big Ten West <laughs> than it is staying in Jurassic Park. Okay, so good point. We'll come back. Chris Peterson. He's fresh. He's refreshed. He's got his playbooks. He's, you know, he's on a little TV. He's got to get bored here pretty soon. Chris Peterson, hack. Uh, the thing is, man, is I, beggars can't be choosers here, George. Surely I mean, you got to <laughs> figure out. You got to figure out something. So, so I mean, shoot your shot. I don't know if you want to go with like let's let's see if we can kind of cut this into a certain group or a certain profile or whatever it may be, a certain style, a certain mindset, or, or are we just going to throw a bunch of shit on the wall and see what sticks? They're uh, going to need to throw you know? everything. But what do you so think about, know. what do you think about Peterson in great the ball coach? Yeah. Great, great ball coach established a uh, winning program at a, at a, at a, at a, at a small market, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the history's there in terms yep. of not, not just personal history in terms of how he did things is there. Right. So sure. Of. Yes. Yep. Another one I like can recruit West Coast. Done it before. Resume. Trevor. I, yeah, I can see it. Can I can I throw one out really quick? And I got a big one to throw out. Go ahead. How about how about Clay Helton? He's got as many wins as Scott Frost in that stadium <laughs> this year. I he just think, I he honestly, just makes his way to the podium. Man. Look, look. <laughs> hey, don't leave town. Don't I leave town. <laughs> I like you, Will Barrowman. We got a one-minute warning here. Field of 12 After Dark Show. Thank you for joining us. Last one. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, could he not revive the Corn Husker brand? Hack. I'm not going to say Deion can't do anything. 
So yeah, sure. Let's let's throw Prime out there. He'll I'm gonna say I'm gonna say hell no because if y'all know Prime like I know, he ain't getting up in that cold. There ain't no way that dude's gonna <laughs> get an Eskimo jacket That's on. True too, he wants to be hey, in South Beach. <laughs> five, six, seven million a year. Warm you up, Trevor. Uh, that dude pisses on if, five, seven million. If, if anybody can get somebody to Jackson, Mississippi, uh, they can get him up to Lincoln, Nebraska. He can get some dudes up there. Different culture, different moxie than what we've typically seen in Nebraska. But hey, they need some some shoot your shot. Up. Shoot your shot. Oh, Nebraska, shoot your shot. Hang in there, college football. Thank you for joining us. George Whitfield on behalf of Christian Hackenberg, Bryce Petty, Trevor Knight, Field of 12, After Dark. We will see you next week.